Hi, yeah. folks. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Karate Without Belts. I'm John, and I am joined by the illustrious Larry. <laughs> good morning, evening. Yeah, well, whatever's applicable. It's about ten eighteen p.m. for me, so uh, I'm kind of a spoon manning a little bit, but uh, I know it's early morning for you. Not, I guess not super early, but. No, not at all. No, and I'm an early riser. I've been up for a couple of hours already. Who so. like shout out to the early risers? I was up at four thirty this morning. I don't know what I, I don't know what people are doing at that time of day. If you're not up and and working at that time of day, you're wasting half the day. Yeah, yeah. I tell myself I'll be more constructive when I get up that early, but I never do. I get on Facebook and wind up going down some uh, internet rabbit hole. So. Oh, I hope everybody who's listening to this podcast has gone down the right rabbit hole. Yes. <laughs> um, right before we get started here, um, real quick, everybody, thank you for those who have donated to the Sherry Joe Castle Fund. Um, please find that in the description below. Thank you to everybody who is listening, liking, subscribing, all that fun stuff. Appreciate that. That helps us out a lot. So there I have finished my obligatory YouTube uh, plugs. So we can now officially continue going on with the podcast. So, Larry, what's great about having you on the podcast is that there is no, like, spotlight I'm trying to shine on that's, like, attempting to interview somebody to, like, help promote something or attempting to being like, this is the thing we're going to talk about with this well-experted professional about X, Y, and Z. Because, um, I mean, I'm no professional in X, Y, and Z. Um, but you've got you're certainly a professional in a lot of X and a lot of Y and a lot of Z. But I don't think a lot of people might not necessarily know that about you. Okay, uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, you know when you first asked me to be on the show, I was kind of like, hmm, it's you know I'm I'm not uh, if I walk down the street, somebody wouldn't stop me and say, hey, you're Larry, the uh, master of the martial arts. Can I have your autograph? You know, I'm so. Uh, I wasn't sure what, uh, where we were going to go with this, but it, it certainly is, you know, it certainly is something I can share with everybody as far as, uh, what my experience over, over, you know, I, I say 35 years of martial arts. Well, it was, it was seven years of martial arts and then a 30 year break and now I'm back. So, well, and I think that's, um, to kind of give a little context to, our conversation is what was it probably a feels this feels longer but it was only a, i was looking at the calendar today um because i keep calendars around mm. i guess that's a thing people do i don't but certainly i guess members of supreme court do um so the only one i'm gonna do today um i was like that was only a year ago we were right. at the same seminar yeah and a year so and a half weird. yeah it is yeah um, yeah, and I had never met you before, so... Uh, yes, so, unfortunately, I'm, I'm one of those people, um, because I may have may or may not have been born uh, before you started martial arts training. The interesting thing about you when we first met was, you just were like, hey, I'm Larry, we're training, the end, and and off we were, just crossing, crossing Joe, right, and, and getting down to it, um, and we were training at a little... I guess I want to say it's kind of a was kind of a weird hybrid camp of like modern Arnie's on one end and 
Culpito on the other. Right. And you had mentioned, like, yeah, I trained with um, the guy who was putting on the seminar we were at. I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, but I trained, like, long, 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 long time ago. And I'd been out for, for a while, and I just came back. And I'm like, huh, wow. But you still had, like, the same kind of – it looked like you hadn't really left. It looked like you, you kind of settled into kind of what was going on. And you had just jumped on training with some other people who I'd actually recently gotten to know as well. And so, you know, I th- we got to talking and or consuming, I don't know, what was that bottle that mutual friend of ours had? <laughs> Uh, I don't remember what, I mean, it was some kind of scotch. I remember that, but I don't right. remember the label. And it was slowly consumed over three days. Yeah. Um, we might not necessarily remember what, what techniques we were working on, but, or what we were drinking. Well, but, uh, no, alcohol and training didn't mix. They were, they were separate. I remember that part. Yes. Well, thankful. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the way to keep it. Yes. I, I was thinking back to uh, another thing entirely, but it was like, yeah, I had done that a little bit younger years, and that was uh, not a smart move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I uh, hear some of the stories. But well, anyway. Yeah, well, and uh, other stories. But no, what had what interested me, because you're not the only one who has this experience. Right. Uh, You've been trained with somebody who has more or less similar story to a degree, mm-hmm. right? Right. And um, and Hilly's going to be mad that I didn't get him on the podcast, but you know what? He didn't. He didn't ask. So what's interesting is that there's this is this is a group of people who are kind of at large in our society, to mm-hmm. and largely in kind of part of what kind of what you were talking about with me before the podcast is that. There's martial arts and there's the time in people's lives where people get into a hard amount of training and then there's kind of everything else in life. Right. And I think you, your story has a lot to do with that. I'd like if you would to kind of bring us back to kind of when you first started martial arts and kind of what had first kind of triggered your you know desire to start training in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, wind the clock back. It's uh, And it was the... Uh... My first exposure to the martial arts was, uh, oddly enough, in my freshman year in college. Uh, it was a small liberal arts school. And, uh, you know, they had a mandatory, you had to take some sort of physical education class. And uh, they offered judo, of all mm. things. There was a, a, a local teacher. I mean, he wasn't a professor. uh one of the professors was a brown belt in his uh, dojo. So I did a semester of judo, did a little bit beyond that. Uh, unfortunately, transferred away from that school at the end of my first year. But uh, just kind of was like, well, you know, I like the physical activity. Uh, I, I, I like the, the structure of respect and formality around being in a dojo. You know, the... the uh, deference to the senior students, the, the bowing to each other before and after any sort of interaction, you know, uh, bowing to, you know, step onto the mat, bowing to step off. It just, I don't know, something about that has always appealed to me. And uh, so I dabbled around in some other uh, 
you know, picked up some, you know, ad hoc karate, jujitsu, et cetera, until I finished college. When I left college, I, I wound up working in a small town just outside of Wichita, Kansas. And uh, there was a gentleman there who was ran a dojo under uh, Master, I say Master Ayata, everybody says Taiken, how that wasn't really in use when I started. Uh, yeah. I say Oyata Sensei, but yeah. You know. I don't want to. Do, I don't want to date you too much. But what year would you say this would was? Uh, that would have been 1982. Okay, so this this is getting into almost peak Oyata era. Yes, um, yes. I think it was. You know, things were starting to. You know, there was a lot of attention. I mean, I certainly when I. You know, the first couple of sessions with this dojo, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. You know, I think it's. I think anybody who gets introduced. Um, and and gains the uh, passion and respect, the uh, you know the enthusiasm for for uh, Oyata Karate um, is just like wow, you know this is this is like several levels above what most people you know your typical what you'd expect from a martial arts dojo and and uh, and work through that uh, and, and I've been I was lucky for many years because it was. Uh, I think it was only about six months later, and I moved to another small town in Texas. But uh, there were two different dojos within, I don't know, 30, 45-minute drive, which out there in the Midwest is nothing Okay. Uh, that I could continue to go to. Um, Actually, I think we know the same people. It's uh, Well, if it would have been Western Kansas, it would be uh, Ron Christenberry. No, no, no. It was, um, I met him one time. But uh, yes. if you're talking about... Texas? Well, I was in the Panhandle, which was very, very. Oh, okay. So you guys were in Texas. Okay, so the wrong, right. wrong side of Texas. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then in Oklahoma, and again, either of these from where I lived in Texas, either one of these was just thirty minutes away in Oklahoma. There was a uh, father and son, uh, Doctor Bill Shaw, who was a dentist, and his son Bill Jr. We're gonna have to have it. Yeah, side conversation after the fact. You know, wait a minute. Then, I, mean, I thought he... the the interesting about Doctor Shaw was uh, anytime he was, uh, you know, he would do a seminar. Anytime Oyata Sensei would come to Western uh, Kansas, uh, Doctor Shaw would examine his teeth for him. <laughs> he was his dentist as well as his student. So, uh, well, especially in like that time, I guess it, that kind of paid to, to have that be like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a summit around Oklahoma. Why? Because I have this root canal that needs to be done. <laughs> yes, yes. So and even uh, I guess I was like two hour drive from Amarillo, Texas, and there was a dojo there that I would go to occasionally as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but uh, yeah, I studied with Sensei Christenberry for I believe about three years up to the point where I, uh, you know, the first time I went to the Kansas city summer camp and this would have been, I guess, 84, 85 and, uh, tested and received my showdown. So, uh, so you're really part of like a lot of that OG crew that had initially yes. started with, go- I mean, not, I don't want to say OG, OG, cause it's like, that goes out that goes way back to okinawa but um, yeah but like if you're talking about that era of people who were going out to that stuff that's was that was like i don't want to fanboy out on my own podcast but it's like that's like the era 
where like stuff was happening um yes. and it was more kind of on the level right yeah i mean there were I anyway mean, i don't yeah. i don't want to draw too much attention because then then i get, get a million people being like blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. but i mean cool i didn't i actually didn't know that yeah yeah so but i mean like yeah like you said i mean i, I was kind of like the one-off of the uh, <clears throat> inner circle you know the guys who had been servicemen or or the guys who actually lived in the kansas city area with sensei and uh but yeah oh my gosh yeah the you know it, it was it was like a round table of of martial arts knowledge going on any anytime people got together talk shop etc <clears throat> now when at some point there i and i kind of uh for and this was i mean it was a reason outside of uh martial arts i had actually had a girl break my heart but uh I had a buddy who'd been uh, from college who'd moved to the East Coast. He was living in New York, and he was like, hey, come out and see the big city. You know, so just being 25 years old and, and stupid, I was like, okay, I'll just pick up and move to New York. Now you're coming from Wichita, Kansas, so were you walking around, like, the streets with a cowboy hat and and, and boots? No, and I was never that cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did drive a pickup truck. But... <laughs> Yeah, and it was it, it was very interesting. I mean, he wasn't just in uh, New York. I mean, we oh my gosh, we were so poor and uh, scrabbling for a living. Uh, he was actually just like people but, today. Yes, but uh, I mean, he was he was renting the lower floor of a brownstone from another college friend, uh, this fellow's mother, and we were right in the middle of the South Bronx Ooh. in in the mid eighties. This was. In the mid, so what was that more like? Kind of what we hear more of, like seventies New York, or is that more of like escape the Bronx type New York? It was. Uh, have you ever seen Fort Apache, the Bronx, the original? I'm gonna have to now. Yes, it was very much like that. I mean, there was you know there were blocks of rubble, there were like burned out cars on blocks. Um, In New York. Cane. Huh? In the this is a story I always hear about people when they go to LA. They see some, they see a dead body and they see a car on fire, but that's <laughs> that's the first time I've ever heard that about New York. Well, it was the Bronx. It's not Manhattan. Right. It's not right. it's not Brooklyn or Queens. This is the South Bronx. Uh, this is the kind of place when people said, "Oh yeah, I would go to Yankee Stadium." You go there on the subway. You'd walk directly into the stadium. You get back on the subway and you leave. You don't do anything around Yankee Stadium because it was a war zone back then. Did were people trying to make a revolution happen through gangs? Uh, but there, there was like I said, yeah, there was gang warfare. There was you know muggings. There was like I said, there was a lot of drugs at the time. Could um, people I mean, dig it, it? No, no, <laughs> it was not. It was not glamorous. It wasn't a movie. Um, like I said, it was. It was. This it podcast was took a turn for trying to try, me trying to reference old '80s movies, and you're just being like, "Dude, <laughs> like that." No, no, it was never that exciting. I mean, it's the amazing thing was that I I never had any trouble there. I lived in the Bronx for about six months and and escaped. Actually, my my boss at work actually said, "You got to leave that place. <laughs> you don't need to be there." But, uh, and yeah, that was definitely a sidetrack. The point being was that 
I knew that out on Long Island was uh, Albert Giraldi and, and Jerry Sinise dojo. Right. I mean, it was Albert Giraldi's dojo at the time. Uh, Jerry was senior student and kind of kind of the unofficial business manager um, for the dojo. They had space in a strip mall way out there in uh, on Long Island, and, and and since I did have a vehicle at the time. You know, I was going out there. I'd go out there maybe once or twice a week in the evenings and every Saturday. Was that the same place they got now? Or was no. that a, that's gosh, a different no. location? No, Jerry, yeah. no I, I, I was able to see Jerry's dojo about 10 years ago. It's beautiful now. Back yeah. then it was, I mean, it wasn't bad back then. If you, uh, I mean, it was nice hardwood floor. There was a couple of changing rooms in the back. Actually, interestingly enough, if you if you look at Jerry's YouTube channel, his uh, his video for the Ekubo Kata. Oh, the one where um, Mr. Logue is doing. Logue. Uh, yeah. yeah, that is the Long Island Dojo where Jim Logue is doing the Ekubo. So, uh, and even my my wife was like, "Is that the dojo?" And I was like, "Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, that's the old dojo I used to go to." So, uh, yeah, so I you know I trained with with. Sensei Giraldi and Jerry for, I guess, another three years, four years. I'm trying to think of it now. Um, after a couple of years, Sensei Giraldi said, "Okay, you're ready to go back out to uh, Kansas City," and I uh, tested for Nidon, and uh, and that was, I guess, actually that was the same summer I just met my wife. Because we had just, you know, and that's like starting the dating thing. And I was like, okay, I'm off to Kansas City for a week. I'll be back. Yeah, because if you're you're in the East Coast going out to Kansas, somewhere like there, like you go out for a week. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was, you know, and and I, I continued to train. It, uh, I sold my truck uh, along the way. And it's like, you live in New York. You don't really need a car. Right. Unless you want to go out to Long Island on a regular basis, uh, so so the logistics of that is like you know I I started I dropped the weeknight trips, I did go out on Saturday as much as I could, but it was like get up it was one of the, yeah get up at five a.m. take a subway to the Long Island Railroad it would take two hours to get out there, and uh, hopefully Jerry could meet me at the train station and give me a ride to the dojo so I didn't have to pay for a taxi. So that was so that was that was rocking for three three years or so. Yeah, 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 and and like I said, and um, but again, you know, like I said, it's like you know, my wife and I. I mean, we you know, our relationship developed. Uh, uh, I proposed, and we we arranged our marriage. Uh, married in Brooklyn, beautiful marriage, actually. If you ever, if anybody's uh, if you've never seen it, we were actually married at the Japanese Gardens in the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. Oh wow. It's, it's a beautiful setting if you go to their website and look at the pictures. And it was the first weekend in May. The cherry trees were in bloom. It was, um, it was gorgeous, gorgeous. Jerry, Jerry was at our wedding, too, as well. Good friend. Jerry and I became good friends over that time period. Um, but then, like I said, you know, I mean, we we reached a point where we we decided, you know, we were just discussing, do we want to start a family? If we do, how is that going to work? Do we want to stay in New York for that? And uh, decided that really, you know, even even Brooklyn, which was, uh, you know, we lived in a, a nice neighborhood, but it was expensive. 
Um, right. I mean, you know, between the cost and and just you know the housing conditions and et cetera, we decided that leaving New York was the best first step. Kurt Russell's right next door in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so we, uh, you know, my wife did the research on, on, well, where did we want to go? We didn't want to get too far from the East Coast and settled on Pittsburgh, which was uh, billing itself as the most livable city in the country at the time. I, we, I mean, we both started a job search. I got the first job offer that was uh, lucrative enough to support our move. And we, we picked up and took off for Pittsburgh. And that was that was my breaking you know, that was my step away from the martial arts. It was, uh, you know, you, you didn't have opportunities then to search out for, you know, what's my network? You know, does anybody know? Right. You know, you can't get on Facebook and say, hey, where's a dojo in Pittsburgh that anybody uh, would recommend? And uh, I mean, all you had then was basically a phone book. And maybe if you found a flyer on a bulletin board, you know, I just immersed myself in in the business of life at that point, right. uh, you know, marriage, career. We did start the family, two beautiful children who are both adults now. Both of us went to grad school uh, in the course of that time and uh, carried on, carried on for, uh, geez, almost 30 years. And when, uh, as it, so it wasn't even really, I mean, in 2016, I was uh, I was starting an, a career search, a, jo- a change in jobs. Right. And... You know, for many years, you know, even if I was looking for work, we we were pretty much anchored to Pittsburgh, getting our kids through. You know, we didn't want to uproot our kids from our school system, you know, and didn't want to take them away from out of an environment. My wife had, had been with a family that moved around a lot. And uh, she's like, I don't want to do that. I want our kids to have that uh, stability, that anchor. Right. But when the kids were adults, it was like she's like, you know we don't have to stay in Pittsburgh after this. You know, if you want to look for work nationwide, look for work. I got a job offer to return, you know, return to the East Coast. It was Philadelphia, not New York. It was Philadelphia suburbs. And uh, we picked up and moved again. (laughs) It was a little more disruptive uh, this time versus 30 years ago. We had 30 years worth of accumulated stuff to deal with. But uh and a house to sell, all of that stuff. But so we got ourselves out here, and it still wasn't, you know, uh, a return to martial arts wasn't certainly wasn't high on my list of things to uh, pursue once I got here. And it was only sheer dumb luck that I was I was actually finding my way to a, uh, a doctor's appointment. You know, my first time with a new physician in the area, and I drove by uh, a sports complex. And I saw the the Okinawan pinwheel, the uh, three-leafed right. symbol. I saw it on the sign. I said, "Wait a second! I know what I know that sign. What the heck?" And uh, and this time, of course, I did uh, get on Google and and Googled for uh, Okinawan karate and near me, and and I found Sensei Teller. Walked into there. I, I, I kind of parked it for a couple of months. You know, I was starting a new job and getting used to the area, and didn't uh, you know? It wasn't the first thing I did. Right. But uh, I did eventually walk in and I uh, introduced myself, you know, and I was just like, okay, you know, I studied with a, a kind of like when we first met. I said, oh, yeah, I studied with Oyata, but it's been many, many years. Watched a class. Uh, they were actually just getting ready to have a, uh, they had a big seminar then uh, that spring, two, 2017. Uh, I was there. I was at that seminar. I was Were in- you there? Jerry was there. I saw Jerry I- for the first time in 10 years. And, uh, 
Um, 2007? I think it was 17. Might have been 16. Well, 17 was when... Actually, I know Jerry wasn't there. Okay. But it's the 2018 one in the spring. Like, it was like super snowy that one day, and they had like 18 people who were, te- who were teaching at that one seminar. It was it was a big turnout, and his yeah. uh, Sensei Teller's brother-in-law, Sensei yeah, Nix, yeah, yeah. was there, and, and Sensei's wife did a performance of the dance, and so... Uh, yeah. I was there briefly, I left, and I came <laughs> back. So I was like there for two hours, left in the snowstorm, came back two hours later at the end yeah. of the summer. Uh, yeah, I, I, I came in briefly to meet him, and mostly to say hi to Jerry, because like, I kind of like ambushed him. Surprise, Jerry, it's me. So, uh, But yeah, so I started, ta- I started going to classes, and, and pretty soon I was just, wow, you know, what 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 was I thinking to be away for all this time? And even my wife, my wife remarked, you know, she's like, your, your mood is elevated so much now that you, you've gone back to this. It's like, keep doing it. So, so yeah. So, I mean, she supports me in it and, and I've been back for going on two years now and there I am going to seminars, like I said, when I can and uh, training as much as I can working with the, I mean, they have uh you know, Sensei Teller is there. Uh, the, the, I don't know. We say Fred. You know, Fred runs the dojo now. Levi is the other senior black belt, and they're they're both very, very knowledgeable. And and I just, you know, both very just, good guys. They, they, yes, I great guys. Yes, I they all in there, and they were like, they, they were just treated me like I'd been there for the last ten years, and just very, very friendly with me. Yes, and so those two gentlemen you just mentioned, also including Mr. Teller, um, you know, they they couldn't have been nicer people. Um, yes, yes. So. I mean, sometimes sometimes you go into a place and and you just you know when you get attitude from you know the the people in charge immediately, you just want to like now just you know turn around and walk back out. But no, they they are always open, and it's you know. If you demonstrate your willingness to work hard and listen, uh, you know, they just share everything. So, uh, no, uh, like I said, no no regret. I mean, my regret is that I waited, you know, why couldn't I have found something like this sooner? But Well, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing when you're moving around and you need to move to the most livable city in the world. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my family had a similar thing. We, we, I had a like a large group. My family had a large group of people living in uh, the Philadelphia area, and then was one day like a family of like nine, just like up and went like we're going to Pittsburgh, bye. And so, <laughs> so it was like a lot of people were just like, all right, yeah. Fun. Um, I think what you've just described and what you what like, and thank you so much for describing it, like like showcasing your you know your journey as a martial artist. Um, both in and out i think that describes a lot of what people have gone through i haven't ever had that that period of just like being gone for those x number of years i'd always kind of touched even if in my most touch and go days um i was still training at least like once a week so i mean there's not to pat myself on the back about that yeah. But you know, it's but it gets in some people's blood in some ways, and it gets in others um, in a different way. And right. so, I mean, you you said it really, really eloquently. Is just the business of life. And what do you think that people who would think would they would hear that and say like, well, that's 
that's just an excuse, you know, X, Y, and Z. Training is training. I, it, As well, to play I mean, devil's advocate, I'm not saying Sure, that, but. sure. Well, I, I guess my response to that is, you know, I mean, the business of life is about choices. Right. And, and you've made your choice of focusing on training. Uh, I made my choice to, at the time, focus on family. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I don't mean to imply that. I certainly don't want any hate mail over that uh, sentiment. I, I think now, I, like I said, if I had to do it all over again, I wish I had looked for that for a better balance of it and not, not walked away from it. I, right. you know, I mean, there were certainly times when I think, wow, you know, I mean, it would have been, it would have been hard to find time for martial arts in everything else that was going on. Right. I mean, there were two kids, two kids, and, and, and I mean, you know, kids, kids for the last thirty or forty years. It's really, you know, with all of the activities they offer. I mean, both my kids were in soccer. Uh, I, my daughter did marching band through all of her school career. I got hoodwinked into. I was actually president of our little local soccer program for a couple of years. It was. It you don't get hoodwinked into that. You 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 just yeah. just go along with it. Yeah, no, I tell people it was it, it was literally like that old gag in the movies of like, does anybody want to volunteer to be president? And everybody behind me took two steps back. And I went <laughs> I wound up being president for a couple but it was rewarding to do it. It was it was very satisfying. If you had decided to sacrifice that to be like, well, there's this dojo down the street, so Yeah. Have fun biking yeah. in the streets, kids. Uh. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I can't go to the board meeting because I have to train, or uh, you know, I can't, I can't work the concession stand on Saturday because I'm going to a seminar. It's like, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, so that's a choice. It's, uh, you know, I mean, with the years when I went to, uh, I mean, I went to grad school. Yeah, that and my kids, when my kids were, you know, they weren't in school yet, and they weren't to the age of doing activities. They were like under the age of five. But that's small kids in the house. Plus and working full time and going to yeah. school part time was just like insane. I mean, I had, I had days when I was, and it was a, it was a technical degree. I had days when I worked, you know, I worked in IT. I would program all day and go home and program till three in the morning on homework. And uh, oh my god, I had, carpal, I had carpal tunnel so bad I could barely open my hands. But uh, so I think some of it is now, you know. What I appreciate now is like I'm kind of I've kind of <laughs> I'm kind of moving into my golden years, so to speak. But what that's what that's given me in that sense is that, you know, I do have more time slots to do to pursue a few more things and be selfish about it than I had been at that time, I think is the way to say it. No, I, and, I, can, I can I can attest to that's you know, that's the noblest thing, I think. Like that's no one no one can ever can ever take that from you no one could ever say continue like the devil as advocate i was just playing no one could ever down talk that yeah um, i mean you'll never i mean i see even now i see i mean there are guys at the dojo now who are like eh, i can't come to class tonight because i got a you know the kids got something for school or my wife's got you know my wife's got a cold or something and i will never disparage anybody right. for making those kind of choices so, but, right. you know, when you do, when you're, when you're there, you know, show up and, and train and that's all anybody can do. Yeah. And so. I think that's, what do you think gave you, like, bit that itch? 
Like, did you ever feel over the years kind of in the absence of training, kind of like the itch to get back into training? But, you know, obviously career, kids, family life, going back to school and stuff like that. Yeah. What, what do you think well, that, that itch that kind of because for me, at the very least, I like it's a part of my daily routine that I right. can't I can't be sane without doing karate to a degree. Um that's just me. But I mean, everyone's kind of programmed different. But where does the itch kind of go? Does it just kind of fade away? Or does it just kind of pop up randomly? Or um, I, I think, I mean, for me, you know, my, uh, that itch manifested as, you know, the desire to do something physical. So, there, I mean, it wasn't like I was a slug the entire 30 years that I lived in Pittsburgh. I always had something that I pursued. I had, I went through my mountain bike phase. I went back to something, you know, something that my father had taught me as a child as I've, I've, and even now I carry it through. I'm very passionate about fly fishing. I've, I've always liked to, you know, I can go down to the gym and just sweat for an hour, you know? So right. in that sense, I can't, you know, in that sense, all those years, martial arts was just another physical activity to me, you know, and, and, and it's only been recently that I come to realize, and I was talking to somebody last year, and I said, you know, there's there's only two things I do now that that, and I say, take me out of my head, and that is, it's like every you know everything that I'm worried about, everything I'm focused on at work, anything problems like the car needs a brake job, whatever. Right. There's two things where all of that stuff just totally goes away, and that's the martial arts, and when I'm out on a trout stream fly fishing. You know, you're so laser focused and it's like, it's like, it's a meditation. It really is a form of form of meditation. And now I appreciate the mental health side of that as well as the physical. That doesn't get talked about enough for sure. No, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and, and people have different, people have different things about their training that they want to do. You know, I mean, you get... You know, some of the young, like even the junior black belts, you know, it's like if, if, and sometimes they open it up. If, if one of the teachers says, what do you want to do this class? The first thing they say is spar. The first thing I say is kata. And that's, and that's my meditation. I mean, I can, I can, I could easily do kata for an hour and just feel totally refreshed at the end of it because everything's, everything you know, all of the mental sewage gets flushed out in that time. Which so. is, it, that's an interesting way, but I mean, mental sewage going by, um, but <laughs> no, it's a good way of putting it because I mean, I, that is the one thing I think that like people kind of downplay about kata um, and in karate training, in traditional martial arts training in general, where it's like doing like doing sparring drills or doing bag work or doing even just trying to do like a match all out you're not really building anything you're you're building maybe yourself up or maybe you're like getting some you have some form of like calisthenic training in but it's not you know there's not that kind of that feeling of going from point a to point z and having like built up something something along the way maybe that's an odd way to put it but yeah, I kind of, I kind of 
I kind of understand where you're going with it, which is, yeah, I mean, kata kata to me is not its main point isn't physical conditioning. Definitely, I mean, there's a certain amount of you know, if you're doing if you're doing your horse stance correctly, yeah, you're you're building some leg strength. You know, if you're if you're emphasizing your block, you know, in your arm position, you know, there's a certain amount of mechanical to it. But to me, kata is, you know, kata to me is a very inward focused on, you know, is my technique correct? Is, you know, and, and to, and that extension is not only is technique correct, but is if I had to apply this move in real life, you know, in a life protection situation, am I doing the technique correctly to apply that? And then, and the other part is, is like, okay, I've got this technique. How would I apply this? So, I mean, that's the thing I get very excited about learning. And, and that's probably one of the things that's the part where I'm trying to make up a lot of ground for what I missed in the last 30 years is, is turning the formalized process into an, an applicable process. Not that I want to go out in the street and kick somebody's butt, but just the, you were in the, the Bronx in the eighties, man. You had all the opportunity. <laughs> I know I could have, I could have walked down to the, you know, instead of walking down to the corner and sharing a 40 in a paper bag, I could have gone down there and just whipped through the crowd, but I didn't. Uh, no, that's another story. Misspent youth. But, uh, well, well, it also makes me think, it's like, why was the Bronx so violent? And, like, this is actually just a kind of odd repercussion of technology. It's actually just a bunch of people getting up in 80s garb during and time traveling back to that time to more dangerous places where you couldn't actually trace DNA and stuff and practicing yeah. their martial arts. Well, that was, and I heard somebody say this the other night, too, was, uh, you know, somebody somebody oh you ought to ask somebody he said what do you what do you want to get out of this and the guy said i want to learn how to fight and he said if you want to learn how to fight just go down to a bar and fight somebody which is but then i'd also heard that's kind of like when he was a young man on okinawa it's like that circle of guys there you know this might be urban legend but uh a lot of times that's that was part of their training was like they would just go down and cause some trouble somewhere and and you know practice the extension of their art and i can neither confirm nor deny any of these stories i said uh, urban myth is urban myth that i know as oh, it sounds as a I little know. it sounds a little fight clubby um yeah to say the least yeah. but i again i can either confirm nor deny uh evidence of this uh that seeing would, that i live I mean, very close to close close to uh, the island in question yeah, that, I now. mean, that would be an interesting, I mean, you, you kind of think about the extension of it as, you know, what, you know, Okinawa post-World War II was probably a pretty rough neighborhood. So The rough neighborhood of Okinawa. Um, yes. Again, I can neither confirm nor deny. No, I'm either. I'm speculating. Don't, don't anybody quote me and don't anybody uh, come after me for it. I think but, I, uh, I, it's, well, and here's the, and the, the other big thing is, too, that the times have really changed on that where and that has a lot to do with you know what was going on there at the time and okinawa wasn't okinawa it wasn't really japan it was not like it didn't really belong anywhere and so you know this this led to a lot of frustrations so um i'm not confirming nor denying like what exactly happened but i've 
I've heard those stories too. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it would be interesting if somebody could like kind of uh, timeline a history of those years. Oh, well, the thing is, there was there is historiography done around that time um, because during that time they couldn't do any reporting, actually. Mm. But um, and it's kind of going in a different direction. But like the yeah. it's there. It's just some of it's not in English. Some of it's very academic and put on the back burner. So I would, I I would venture to reckon that would be that would make for an excellent project um, to kind of put up put up and kind of more in the context of what we're talking about is martial arts and and how that got trans yeah. that got transmitted. But you have to be re- also respectful of the people who are involved because you have to think in terms of generationally, like mm-hmm. Mr. Oyata died about seven eight years back. His kids are in their kind of their mid forties, like fifties at this point, or I want to say like mid thirties, mm-hmm. early forties. Um, they have grandkids and stuff, so it's like, look, Grandpa was a violent like, like you don't want to. No, uh, I don't think that was the case out. at all. I mean, so you can't name names, but it's not without merit that conversation. But yeah, that's and, an and, interesting and, digression down that. Point. Yeah, yeah, we kind of sidetracked there, and it, yeah, it's all good. Um, but uh, I mean, just to close that circle, I guess you know, it's I never. I never studied the martial arts. I never started at the martial arts with the intention of saying, okay, I just want to be a total tough guy and, and be able to go out and, you know, kick somebody's whatever. Uh, that was never my intention. That's like, and that's, that's not, that's not why I practice. I mean, my, my approach to practicing the martial arts is that it's my fervent hope that I never use it in a real situation i mean that's that's my final on that on that subject right i think and i think that's a lot of what what a lot of us don't want um and i think probably it's actually jerry who said this to me that it wasn't a lot of people were okay with fighting and but the implicit understanding of of that sentiment was kind of there but it wasn't until like that around that eighties time when people started like saying that and making that kind of a sentimentality did that start coming out more on Front Street for people. But I think that's what a lot of people I I full heartedly agree with you. That's not why a lot of us that's not what any of us kind of want to do. But there's enough yeah. there's enough meat there's enough um meat from here to here with enough people. Um then they go do other things where it all just becomes meat in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, I mean, we're, we're not warriors. We're not in the military. Uh, we have no legitimate excuse to act out on, on our training. You know, it should be, it should be an internalized achievement, not, not externalized. If that makes sense. Yeah. Perfect. So. To kind of, um, kind of bring us back to center in this way. Um, if you know you, you kind of talk to other people who might be in kind of a similar part of your situation who had you know a long time ago had done martial arts and then you know they're thinking of maybe going back to it but may think uh well that was 20 years ago i can't do that type of stuff anymore or like uh that was you know when i was a kid you know i can't that stuff's really not for me maybe i'll do some tai chi or maybe i'll do some pilates um what would you say to them um 
Well, I, I certainly I, I can appreciate the hesitation. Um, like I said, I've, I've always been someone who's who doesn't shy away from physical activity. But even coming back to this, I mean, I've certainly realized that I can't do some of the things I did 30 years ago when I was in my 20s. You know, I, some of the, the flexibilities definitely reduced. Um, I've got, you know, the various age-acquired arthritis in my low back. Some, you know, I'm dealing right this, you know, this month I'm dealing with bursitis in my shoulder, you know, and it's just, what's that? Yeah, what's that about, you know? So, but, but I think, I think something that's always been true, something I would have said even when I was in my 20s, is that you you take the techniques that you can do and make them work for you. you know I mean, unless you're, I mean, I don't know if there's any excuse. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the Black Knight in Monty Python, you know, come back here and I'll bite you, you know, no arms and no legs, but there's still something that works, so... So if you really want to do it, like I said, it's uh, the only thing that kept me out for 30 years was me. This was in my, you know, it's my choices. Uh, right. There was nothing physical to, to that side of it that, that was uh, an applicable excuse. So, so I don't, I, you know, if somebody says, oh, I'm too old for that now. I'm just like, eh, you know, you could do kata. Anybody could do kata. Uh, even if your, even if your stances aren't as deep as they used to be, mine aren't. Uh, even if you're, yeah, even if you're a little off balance sometimes when you turn around, I do. But I keep working on it. So. Yeah, and I mean that's, I mean that's the ultimate thing of it, right? Like, it, it, it's weird for me to th- think like because for me it has not been thirty years. I like to say I'm close. I'm close to twenty, but it's it's hard for me to think in like ten more years or maybe even fifteen more years. Um, kind of like what the difference would really have been from the time I had started twenty years ago. And you know, it also goes to show how well humans are at readapting, right? Because you had muscle memory at one point. Which I think is, like, I guess maybe one way to cap off is, like, saying, like, you know, when you first got back back on the horse, how much did you notice was still there? How much did you notice was you know, missing? Maybe, like, memory-wise, but how much did you notice was, like, really, you know, oh, yeah, nope, this is, this is that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the basics were, were, mostly there you know my stances weren't too bad i mean they were i mean some of the things that i correct now working with fred and levi is uh, things have evolved since i was out for 30 years you know some of some of the hand positions have changed you know maybe the the difference in how you cover for a block has changed um even some of the i mean kata has changed you know a little bit you know, they'll yeah. say, oh, no, you should do it this way. And I say, well, I'm because I still do it the way I learned it 30 years ago. I'm like, well, that's how I remember it, you know, and it's so it's kind of like, well, OK, let's talk through why it changed. And it's like, oh, that makes sense. So so I start working on it. And I think the hardest part is to breaking that muscle memory for the things that have evolved from when I first learned them. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. I, I mean, day one when I walked into the dojo, I could still do Nahanchi Shodan, 
even though I hadn't done it in years. But I, I mean, I practiced that so many times uh, back then. It was like, okay, yeah, that one's that one's pretty much imprinted on me. I mean, when you go when when, we, when we'd go to summer camp in Kansas City, everybody tested for black belt did Nahanchi Shodan. Didn't matter what level you were testing for and how many times you'd done it. I did Nahanchi Shodan twice on tests, you know, each time. And and hopefully you improved between. But but that's all that's all of us since I asked was right. you know Nahanchi Shodan. And you're just drilling and drilling and like that I think yeah. it's, it's funny because I joked with uh actually Fred about this where it was, they were talking about doing a form of the kata. And I think it was actually Mr. Teller who asked him, was like, do you remember that? And he's like, oh, yeah, I do, because of the test. I'm like, ah, trauma. <laughs> yeah. That's muscle memory. That's trauma. Yeah, yeah. Not to joke uh, about trauma, but, I mean, if yeah. if, especially when you, like, test in that kind of crowd, it's like if you get kind of scared into it. Um, oh, yeah. To a degree. Oh, yeah, especially, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm – I'm thinking that I remember, you know, that the that the higher ranks and the senior students tested first. So if I'm in a room with 50 other guys, I, I, there are 40 guys are going to test in front of me. So I have the whole I have the whole time to to sweat over it until it's my turn, you know, and uh, and just like wow, okay, <laughs> but but somehow it's you know you get up there and it's like I mean katas, I mean they're so short, it's like you know. You hardly have time to think about it, and you're done. And then, yeah, and then everything's okay. I think that's a, that's a good way of ending it, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, Larry, as I asked everyone, like, um, so this week, I guess, I guess we're recording on a Monday, so this mm-hmm. works out. Um, this week, what are kind of like? What's your goal in terms of training? Um. Well, I know I've you started... got the bursitis in your shoulder, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fortunately, that training does—I mean, kata obviously doesn't impact that too much. Some of the, uh, like you know, the yakusoko kumite, um, anything that involves a push motion, like doing push-up, you know, anything that involves holding my arm rigid while somebody strikes it—that's hard. Right. But uh, I've been doing kata. I've been working on uh, getting back to my, you know, working through the black belt katas you know uh, pasai kusanku and niseishi so i just started working on uh niseishi this past week so I, um, i'll continue to work on that and, uh, it's the shortest one i might say pinan godan but yes uh, the black belt katas is definitely the shortest one yeah well it's also the it, i because godan has one niseishi is the most even yes Yes, of, it's of, I think of all of them. Um, right, Godan is not because it's very specifically down on one on one specifically. Yes, and I I find actually I mean that's that's one of the things in in, in Godan and uh, some of the others is getting down on one knee and getting back up doesn't doesn't go so well as it used to. <laughs> but yeah, I remember having to actually tell people who are. Um, I guess more senior than me is like they really try to do like those movements and they try to do them hard and because they want to do them for testing or whatever. I'm like, dude, save it for when you've got when you're on the street. Like mm-hmm. we know we get it. Knees bad. Don't you don't need to go that hard on it. Yeah. 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 There's uh yeah. If you hurt yourself in training, you've just delayed your training. So Yeah. I've had a little bit of that late. Uh, not lately, but uh, about a month ago. Had a small 
ligament tear in my leg. So, it, yeah, it was annoying. Um, it was just really, because it was like really like, yeah, I'm back into training, back running, and yeah. small little ligament tear. Um, yeah, kind of. Take Come that. back in 20 years and we'll swap old guy stories. So. I was back on my feet in a week. So, I mean, yeah. I'm pretty happy about that. So I can't complain. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Cool, cool. There is one thing I wanted to say out loud because I'm sure. very proud of this. It's it's like a little anecdote and, uh, and it, it relates to directly to, you know, my interactions with Master Oyata. I had the opportunity to probably see him a dozen times or so over the course of my early career. But one of the first times I was uh, in Master Oyata's presence, and I can't remember why, somehow he said, he, he looked at me, he goes, you got a car? I said, yeah. He said, let's go get lunch. And we went to a little noodle shop, and Master Oyata taught me how to use chopsticks. And that's... Yeah. That's one of my most memorable moments. I think that's it. that's like the best we can leave on because, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I was you know, like I said, I was I was a hick from the Midwest. I didn't. I was like, I barely knew which end to hold. And he said, well, he's like, okay, that that time it was not common yeah. for folks from where we're from to know how to do that. Oh yeah, no. Nowadays no, I, it's a little more, you know, people are a little more global minded, but right. I mean, yeah, and to no, learn that from from a guy from yeah, everyone kind of puts him on the pedestal, but I mean th that human moment. Mm -hmm. I was just gonna say, just a little thing, just a little thing that's sure. you know a memory to hold on to. No, that's I mean, yeah. I don't like my react. Obviously, on audio, my reactions kind of doesn't come through, but I can imagine that being something else. Like you can't, not, nothing replaces those times. Yeah. Cool. Well, Larry, stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, telling your story, and thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 been yeah, it's been a great chat. I mean, going into this, I was kind of thinking, well, what do I, what do I have to offer that will fill a whole hour? But yeah, we've talked it away. So, <laughs> I I'll mention this another time, but I've had people complain that it's an hour, and so mm -hmm. I'm 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 actually trying to push for it to be more like two hours at some point. <laughs> Just be like, you know what? If you want to complain about it, I'm going to make this really hard for you then. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good so. stuff. Well, thank you thank so much. You. And um, mm -hmm. everybody, thanks for listening. And don't forget to keep on training.